best I could come up with. Sheep, children, and sinners. Let's go to the Word of God. I'm going to go to the Word of God twice during this sermon. I'll try to keep it short. Matthew 18, Jesus gives us a parable. Matthew 18, verse 1 through 4, and then I'm going to skip down to verse 10. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called the little child to him, and he placed the child among them, and he said, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child parenthetically there, obviously he called one up. This child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, and whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. A 
little bit later, in verse 10, he tells this parable. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety and nine on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I've got to tell you, of all the farm animals, I have more experience with sheep than any. I've had my share of farm animals, but I've had a lot more sheep. I've had them as a child, as what we used to call bum lambs. And I want to tell you, first of all, this comparison of sheep is nice on one side, but for me, it cuts a little too deep (laughs) when I know that my Lord compares me to sheep. Sheep are dumb. (laughs) I have had orphan lambs that their mother had two pop out and just decided that that second one was not hers. I've I've seen a a ewe with triplets abandon them all. They are not the best mothers. And I've been knocked over by my share of rams. In fact, my daughter Megan has been knocked over many times by rams. So I'm going to pop some uh, slides up here. I think... I've chosen every one of these images of sheep for a, re- for a reason. So as we go through that, I'll touch on the images. Um, the subtitle to this sermon is, Yeah, Lord, but who's the greatest? Because that's the other side to this passage. So Jesus tells these two parables about sheep. And he views these sheep from two perspectives. First of all, his disciples are looking for this answer about who's the greatest in the kingdom. And he answers this question with an imperative to change. You notice he says that? Change and become like children. Children. Surely not the greatest, but actually the the simplest of society. Odd answer to who's going to be the greatest. In the parable in Luke, in the telling of this parable in Luke, the Pharisees are coming at it from a similar standpoint. They're setting themselves above others as well. And they comment on sinners. Sinners, in their view, are those whose sin is obvious and debased. And so Jesus answers them oddly, too. What's he say? Well, when we get to that passage, he tells them that God celebrates these sinners when they turn to him in repentance. Again, an odd answer. But in both of these, the image is that of sheep. So, 
first of all, this is the common image of sheep. That precious, let's go back one slide, Megan, that precious little lamb. Rarely do they look like this, although I will tell you, I get great joy out of them across the road from me. The, they have a gang right now. It's all the little babies, and they run up on top of the manure pile, and then they run back down. So they are precious, right? Now we can go ahead, Megan. My, my uh, remote isn't working very well. So this first picture on top there, they're all grazing contented. Reminds me of Psalm 23, right? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths. Beside still waters, he restores my soul. I'm satisfied in him. But the picture, uh, let's see, it'd be on your right. Um, this reminds me of where I, why I see sheep, ready to wander. Not just wander, but ready to bolt at any time. My mother and I chased sheep through the monument one time and we finally caught them and they bolted through this lady's picture window. <laughs> Ready to rebel and go. And then the other one, that the, the, the internet said this was an image of a curious New Zealand sheep. Um, that, to me, is the sheep that I'm trying to get back, and he has no intention of co coming with me. Stubborn, obstinate, dumb, and weak. Helpless. Needing protection. In fact, you just heard the shepherd in John, in John 10. Across from us, we have sheepdogs. They are gentle with the sheep. They sleep with them. They live with them. And until you start to threaten the sheep, they look very passive. If they think you are threatening the sheep, they're on you. And they are ferocious. Sheep are weak and helpless. But on the positive side... Jesus is called the Lamb of God. So there's something about sheep as well that, that fit into God's pattern of redemption. Why did I spend so much time on sheep? Because Jesus did. Because the Word does. It's in almost every book in the Bible. There's some mention of it. Right? Sheep are important to God because they are his example of us in his relationship to us. So let's go to Matthew. When you look at that wider context, it starts, of course, with that discussion of by his own disciples about who's going to be best in the kingdom. I can almost see them scheming. You know, in other passages, one of their mothers had come and said, are my boys going to be high in the kingdom? So this was obviously on their mind. And I even wonder if they expected Jesus would say, well, it's going to be Peter. 
you know, or Peter and John are going to be the number two, and James will be kind of the third lieutenant. But he doesn't say that. He calls a child and says, the greatest one is one who's humble like this child. Megan, I think we can go to the next slide. This was the lead-in, right, to that story about sheep. And his answer is clearly that none of you are the greatest. So before we start this lesson in the parable of the wandering sheep, I want you to consider three truths. First, you must take the heart of a child. Jesus starts this discourse by talking about the type of heart required to enter the kingdom of heaven. It takes the heart of a child. Why is that childlike heart so valuable? There's two reasons. I chose this picture of this lamb because he looks like he's trusting. It is total faith and total dependence on God. You know, a child takes you at your word and they trust you. They depend on you as their parent to give them everything they need to take care of them. It's complete trust and dependence and faith in you wanting what's best for them. Do you notice in children, even when a parent is evil, and I don't mean just bad, but evil, they still want that parent to love them. They still look to that parent. That's the kind of heart God's looking for. One that will believe everything he's said and will rely on him as their source for everything in life. He gives you another lesson and that is that you must protect the heart of a child i think he is speaking to us as well to protect that in us but he also gives a huge warning jesus actually tells this prior to this story the portion i skipped over he warns of a person who would harm these little ones those that trust in him or trust in them by actually leading them or causing them to sin. His warnings are dire. I encourage you to read that in this passage. That's a responsibility to us as parents, leaders, anyone who has influence over these little ones to be careful of how you lead them. Your influence matters, and don't take it lightly. Last you must not diminish the value of a child. The last thing, the very last thing Jesus said before he started this parable, and it must be important in that sense, is that he said that we should not despise or look down on these little ones. It's a reminder of the high value God places on the life of a child. I think there might be another way to look at it. The little ones are every bit as important as the big ones. So these three are important. These three truths are important. But how do they connect to this parable? Megan, why don't you go ahead. Well, first of all, 
I chose this picture because this guy looks lost. <laughs> the heart of God is like a parent searching for a lost child. I left one of my children in Mesa Mall on Black Friday. Just left them, walked out, thought I had all of them, and there were only three. If you've done that, you know that feeling. As a father with a daughter, my thought immediately went some pervert taking that child off. And you go frantically searching, screaming their name. I think we would all do that. We would take extreme lengths to find that child. I, you would literally leave everything else to find your child. This is God's love for you and me. If you notice, he gives us this picture of the shepherd and he says, yeah, the 99 are great, but I'm going to go find that other one. I want you to notice the next thing, though. It's God who does the searching. That wandering sheep is not searching for the shepherd. Believe me, they don't. It is the shepherd searching for the sheep. We don't seek God out of our own nature. God is the one who does all the seeking and finding. It's an amazing picture of sheep here. They can be so lost on their own, they will die without the food and water that the shepherd provides and yet don't want to come back. We are lost. And we have no ability to save ourselves or even to recognize the Savior or that we need saving. Salvation is entirely from God, through God, and in His provision and only in His provision. I want you to notice that we're all like that one sheep at one point or another. We all started out wandering. We were not part of the flock. We were not part of his. We were not his sheep. But we even wander after we are. This sheep was part of the hundred and wandered. It implies intentional action on the part of the sheep. It was with the flock and it wandered away. And it's wandering took it far enough that it couldn't find the flock and couldn't find the shepherd. We wander from God. Even after we're part of the flock, we wander. We seek out other paths, greener pastures, other provision. But they're empty. They are never a substitute for him. Finally, you're one of God's children. Earlier in this passage, Jesus said, 
to become a little, you have to become like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And in other words, you must become like one of the little ones. Think of it this way. When he was referring to those little ones literally, could it be that you and I are the little ones figuratively? If you're one of his little ones, then think about this. Woe to the person who causes you to sin, who looks down on you, who despises you. But here's the good news. When and if you wander off, you have a heavenly Father who will go searching for you because that's the heart of God. Now we're going to go to Luke because there's a missing part here that Jesus just touches on in Matthew that he expounds on much more in Luke. Luke 15. Verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. The tax collectors and sinners. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he even eats with them. Parenthetically, eating with someone was intimate in this culture. Eating with them meant you rubbed shoulders with them. You can almost hear the Pharisees' skin crawl. If you've watched The Chosen, I think they did a pretty good job of showing how the Pharisees didn't even want to be near. They would put things over their mouth. You know, they, they didn't want to be near that at all. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you in that same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus is telling a similar story here. But don't miss this. The parameters have changed dramatically. Here the background is, is that Jesus has eaten with tax collectors and sinners. Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law don't like it. But don't miss that they have the same exact heart problem the disciples did in Matthew. There is no doubt that they consider themselves greater, dare we say, than these sinners. I'm going to go back to what I said in the beginning. Sinners, in their mind, because they had a public righteousness, right? They fasted and made sure that people knew I had no breakfast today. And they prayed publicly. They dressed religiously. Their righteousness was very public. And so therefore, they looked upon sin in much the same way. Public sin, sin that was obvious, prostitutes, tax collectors who were working with Rome, those people, they were sinners. Now, 
The Pharisees were sinners too, but their sins were more private. They're sinning right here, right? They're pridefully scorning these people. But Jesus must hear the muttering. I love that he, he that, that, that word comes out. Jesus heard the muttering and even the sin in their own hearts, and he answers them. And this is how he answers them. We're going to see the heart of God here, but it's the object of God's heart is slightly changed. And we're going to uncover another lesson. But let's look at the truths underlying this first. One thing I want you to see in both of these stories is the searcher is who? He's a shepherd. Remember, shepherds were despised in this culture. They were dirty. They were unclean all the time. They could rarely go to the temple. It is not by mistake that Jesus compares himself to a shepherd. They were not highly thought of. So God's heart includes those who are outside the fold. These tax collectors and sinners, they are lost sheep. Jesus is trying to let those hard-hearted Pharisees and the teachers of the law know how much he cares for those outside the fold. If you view it in the context of, of, of even the Jewish nation, these were Jews. But they had, in some sense, left the faith. It, it is very similar to Jesus' comment in Luke 5. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. In other words, Jesus is telling them, it's not the sheep that are in the fold that I need to find. It's the, one who, the ones who are not in the fold. I came to seek and to save the lost. So I chose this picture because that shepherd obviously loves that sheep. I can only imagine why he cares that much for that sheep, but he does. God cares for them so much and cares for us so much that he rejoices over repentance. In this passage, he says that he rejoices when they come back. The Bible tells us a lot of things to rejoice over. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. The Psalms are full of calls to bless the Lord. But have you ever considered what God in heaven rejoice over? The one thing God in all of heaven rejoice over is one person who repents. I'm going to read verse 7 again. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. God celebrates when he finds a lost soul. This shoots an arrow right to the heart of why Jesus came and how wonderful our salvation is. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, 
The scripture says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Have you ever considered what that joy is? Well, he was going to be crowned king of kings. I don't think that's it. Because he's always been the king of kings. Was that, what was the joy? Well, I submit to you that he just talked about that joy. The joy set before him was all of those lost sheep, you and I included, that'll repent, be reunited with him and the Father. There is more joy in heaven. The crown of the cross is your life and mine that God redeemed. That's what causes the greatest celebration in heaven. Friends, I want to leave you with these lessons from both parables. I think that's my last slide, May. Is that my last slide? It is. That's fine. God has a deep and abiding, relentless love for you and for all of mankind. He will seek and find those he will seek and find. He rejoices over repentance. He celebrates when he finds a lost soul. So therefore, what should our response be? Well, first of all, dear friends, if you have wandered and your heart is separated from your Lord, hear him calling return to him he is seeking you and calling you but secondly you all know friends family members who have wandered or who have never come into the fold God loves them God is seeking them God is calling them. What can you do? Well, you can be like our good shepherd. Pray for them. Seek them. Search for them. Love them. That's what Jesus calls us to. And it is the heart of the Father. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, thank you for your heart that has loved us and called us and suffered and died for us. Lord God, I pray that we might have your same heart for those who we know and don't know who need you. Dear God, call us back to you. Keep us from wandering. Bind our wandering hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen.